Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. It's really great to be with you all again. Hope you're all taking care of yourselves. Um, today um, is a bit different. Uh, we're doing the audio recording as normal, but we're also experimenting with video. Now, that's no guarantee that this is going to go up as a video, but um, it makes it a little bit different, so I'm really excited. And I'm excited to welcome my great guest, Jennifer Dawn Watts. Thank you. Um, it's really, really great to be with you um, and great to have you on the show. Um, I am really excited about this. It's, uh, yeah, um, it's, Jennifer is a therapist and does a lot of work with people with mental health issues, um, in 12-step stuff as well, and obviously with the climate right now, um, we're all carrying a lot of things right now, we're all carrying a lot of grief, trauma, uh, mental health stuff and we need to process that, we need to acknowledge it, we need to talk about it and we need ways to deal with it in a healthy way. Um, So um, as part of that I thought it would be great to have Jennifer on the show and to talk about that kind of thing. So so Jennifer just begin by telling us a bit of your story and, um, and what you do. Sure, so thank you for having me on. I'm excited about this and you know, from Canada to the UK, I think that's great. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, I'm excited that we're doing the video recording because, you know, we just mm. talked about that and there's something about this time where because we're more isolated, I think seeing people's faces, you know, as well as hearing their voices could be helpful. Mm. So hopefully that works. I was trying to figure out if I'm supposed to look at the camera. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to remember that as well because I'm trying to look at you at the same time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, But yeah, I am a therapist. I have been counseling people for nearly 15 years now, and I am also an ordained minister, um, and that wasn't part of my plan, Um, but as I was working with people as a therapist, I realized that they had spiritual questions, and they were coming to me and paying me a lot per hour to ask those questions, and I just felt like that didn't make sense you know, the areas that they needed help um, had been resolved. And so I thought there's got to be a better way. But to send most people to a traditional church, the people that I was working with anyway, that wasn't going to be a fit for them. And so I started these spiritual groups in my home uh, for people who were no longer my clients, but they were still asking these questions. It was amazing for people to get to meet one another because so often we can feel alone with our questions. And then to realize that we're not alone is you know, already solving half of the problem, um, just to ask our questions together and to be supported and not to feel so different, just to normalize that. Um, And then eventually, because of my own journey in recovery and 12 steps, I was influenced by the idea of, you know, what if churches were more like 12 steps? Because when I originally started them, it was about me preparing a message and everyone showing up. And so even though it was more like a house church, it was still the traditional model of, you come as a passive spectator, you know, you download basically the information the person's giving you, and maybe you can ask a few questions, but it's all centered around that one personality. And it's um, a model that isn't working very well anymore in a lot of places. And so I just love the idea that the spirit can speak through all of us, Mm. and you never know who is going to carry the message that you need to hear that day. And I love the authenticity in the rooms in terms of recovery. 
um, so much of it, the fact that anyone can facilitate a meeting, you don't have to be an ordained minister. And so, you know, I planted, I started planting these two faith communities um, in Calgary and then eventually in Los Angeles. And part of that, um, I had the Christian Church Disciples of Christ say that they wanted to help us. And being with them was great because it's very, very hard to be a church planter on your own. Hmm. Uh, but part of their path is to help people to become ordained. And so because I had done my master's at seminary, because I was a Christian counselor, it was a, you know, it, it wasn't an easy path, but it was easier than starting from scratch and doing a master's degree again. And so, yeah, I am officially Reverend Jennifer Don Watts. <laughs> I don't put that anywhere. <laughs> um, it's still kind of weird for awesome. me. Even, but yeah, that's a bit about my story. That's awesome. I love, I love the idea of 12 step, 12 step spiritual communities, because I think, I've been saying for some time in different places, including on this show, that you know that's a really great model of what spiritual community should be. Um, it should be a place where you come and tell the truth without any fear. It should be a space where you can come and be you and be safe and be loved and accepted as you are and where you can just tell your story with without shame. And, um, you know, and I've... I've I've um, taken part in, in your tw- kind of 12-step spiritual community a couple of times now, and it's it's really, really amazing. And I, felt, I found it really beneficial. Um, as well as my own, I've got my own spiritual community. We're meeting online, uh, and that's, that's, again, beneficial for me in a different way. Um, but the but what you, you are doing is, is really... It's been healing for me at this, at this, at this time, especially, because... It's allowed me to just talk about what's going on with me without, without, without any fear, and without actually anyone having to give me any answers. Which I think that's another great thing about twelve step. It's not about like people giving each other advice, and it's just about sharing your story and being true about that. Because when you when you can tell your story in front of other people, that unloads a lot of weight. Um, when you can acknowledge what's really going on, that that means you stop carrying it around. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a few 12-step things that come to mind. They have all these catchy phrases <laughs> in recovery. And, you know, one of them is we're only as sick as our secrets. And so it's this idea that, you know, we get spiritually unwell if we have to carry all of these secrets and feel that shame and feel like we're different or like there's things that are unacceptable about us. And so it's not an idea of sick as like you're a sick person. So that's why I don't use that word all the time. Um, But it's more this idea of just feeling unwell, like kind of like when we have the flu, you know, it's not Mm. like there's anything bad about us. We just feel unwell. And so spiritual, um, you know, feeling unwell spiritually is when we're feeling restless, irritable, discontented, those are signs. And so there is something very powerful about sharing honestly what's going on. And, you know, I remember one of my first sponsors, he would say, you know, sometimes you just have to hear yourself say it. And that in and of itself is powerful. So there's that. There's also, they'll say, you know, when you share your problem, you cut it in half. Um, So I think a lot of these 
uh, principles are biblical and they're psychologically healthy, but the 12-step community has just boiled them down to be, you know, pretty basic and easy to understand regardless of your education level or, you know, what your struggle is. Um, they've just made it a lot simpler. So it's kind of, for me, being a progressive Christian, it's kind of Christianity 101. And I think for psychologists, you know, they might call it group therapy. Uh, but anyway, you want to look at it. It's just a very simple model um, as a way of gathering. Yet there's also these tremendous facts, like what you were talking about, about not being given advice. I mean, that is a huge difference to me than most groups I'm a part of, because almost every group, there'll be someone who's a talker, they tend to monopolize the conversation, someone who tries to fix everything, they think they have the answers. You know, there's the people who are quiet, who you would really want to hear from, but they can't really get a word in edgewise. So it's actually quite um, sophisticated, even though it's simple, in terms of the no crosstalk rule, um, in terms of allowing everybody to share, you know, for three minutes yeah. and just thanking them for their share and then passing. So, yeah, it is um, amazing. And I've, I think I've struggled over the years because I started planting these uh, back in 2012. And I really thought, you know, who doesn't want this? Like, who doesn't want a safe space where you can be honest and accepted, truly accepted and come however you are? Um, But I've come to realize that actually, like, for you to come, that took a lot of courage. And there's a lot of reasons not to come, right? And, oh, I'll try that next week or, oh, I'll do something different because it is a really vulnerable feeling to meet with a group of strangers and to try to speak your truth. And then there's the whole idea of the 12 steps, right? If you start coming for long enough, eventually you'll start saying, should I do these steps? And those actually are, you know, they can be pretty hard for people. So, Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I'm really, it's really, really great. Honestly, I, I would recommend it to people. Um, I mean, how have you found it beneficial in terms of your journey? Um, this, this kind of model. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I've been a part of several different recovery communities before uh, I was a part of QFaith, which is QFaith Community is the name of the community that I started. And um, the first beneficial aspect was becoming more comfortable with myself. I thought that I was comfortable with myself on some levels, you know, being a therapist, having done my own work in therapy. Um, But I really still wore these masks. And I didn't even realize I was wearing them sometimes. And therapist can be a great mask to hide behind. Christian can be another mask to hide behind. Mother, like I'm trying to be a good mom, a good wife. And so, um, you know, my marriage was really on the rocks at the time. And I didn't feel like I could tell anybody because one of the areas that I counsel people is couples counseling. And I've trained with some of the best in the world. And so talk about shame if you feel like you're facing divorce. Like you don't want to be a cliche, like the divorced couples counselor, right? And Mm. so, you know, this model allowed me to speak about everything in a place of non-judgment with people who had done a lot of their own work. And there's something about people who have walked through the fire and they've made their amends to everybody that they need to make their amends to. And Mm. they have um, really turned their will over to a higher power of their own understanding and they've done the work to acknowledge who their higher power is of their own understanding um, and and really defining that for themselves. Um, people who have been of service to others who have had to pick up the phone when they were struggling but also take a lot of calls and do that work for free. There is this mm. maturity in the room. And so being guided by that wisdom 
rather than just a pastor maybe who has done a degree at seminary but really hasn't done his own psychological work, um, I felt like I was being guided by people who had wisdom. And so, yeah, I became more comfortable with myself to speak my own truth. I began to model that for other people when I started QFaith. Um, I would share about my own life in real terms, like if I was dating and having a struggle with that or, you know, whatever was going on. And I remember at first people were thinking, are you kidding me? Like, she's the pastor. Like, are you supposed to mm. say that? Because they weren't used to it. But by modeling that for others, I've been able to invite others into that radical honesty. And then I think, you know, especially me doing the 12 steps, I've been through them four times now officially, but I work the steps, you know, on a daily basis to the best of my ability. And I love that the 12 step path says we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual Mm -hmm. perfection. So I'm just, it's about progress. But I think for me to be able to make amends to family members Mm. who I had really big issues with, who I always kind of felt resentful. And I thought, well, I don't have anything to apologize. Um, I did, actually. I had a part in certain situations. And regardless of what they had done, the freedom of being able to clean my own side of my street, what I did have control over, and to worry about that, and to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and say I've owned my part, there's really nothing like it. I mean, it's just amazing. So, Yeah, it sounds really, really great. Um, and again, it's just that ability to tell the truth, you know, that, that you acknowledged what was going on, you told your story. I think that's that's so, so important because... Oh, it really is. I mean, I remember when I went to do my first fifth step. So the fifth step is when you do confession. Mm. And so there are some things you can't share at a meeting, right? And there's a reason why mm. meetings are anonymous and we ask people to, you know, keep confidential what they've said at a meeting. But there are some things that people want to do just in their fifth step, like a confession process. And I think that is a lost art in many different religions, right, where people have done that in the past, but they don't do it any longer. And the first time that I went, um, I was going to share things that I thought that I would take to the grave, honestly. And, you know, one of them was the age I lost my virginity, right? And I can't believe now that I was so petrified of anyone knowing that. But at the time, it was just, it carried a lot of shame for me. And so when I went to this fifth step, I actually had a lady who had been recommended by others, but she wasn't a part of 12 step and she was very judgy and was quizzing me on whether I'd memorized the third step, et cetera. And I felt so uncomfortable in my body. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like I cannot do this. And so I said, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And I got my shoes on and I was fumbling around and I walked out of her house And I really felt this sense with my higher power, like that, that was just a part of your recovery. And so even throughout the process, I had to learn how to stand up for myself. You know, they say in 12 step, like we're there because we need it because we're sick people. So you're not going to find perfect people in recovery. There's people who try to sleep with you. There's people who take all the money and, you know, the rent money and they go get drunk. So it's not about idealizing the people. Um, we're going to the hospital because we need it, right? Um, But at the same time, I also couldn't shrink back into my old ways and go, well, I tried, and then be defensive and then not do my confession. So I continued to ask around, and I said, who have you done it with? I want to hear your experience if it was good because this one was really a poor experience for me. 
And I, um, I ended up finding out about this priest and, you know, people said, I think Father Tom was his name, but they said, you know, when you share with him, he's practically falling asleep because he's heard so many and he doesn't even care. And then he shreds it after the paper shredder. And I was like, that is my guy. I'm going to him. <laughs> and so I did it. And it was the most freeing feeling. Like talk about radical honesty. It was like, there, no amount of other therapy that I'd done did what that had, what that did for me. And I'm sure that I could have done it with a therapist, but I never had a therapist say to me, why don't you do like a full confession and do this radical honesty? It'll be so freeing for you. So this 12 step path was the invitation. And by being honest about my experience with sister Helen, um, you know, I really shared with people again in radical honesty about what my experience was like. And I just said, you know, be careful to the people who recommend her. And then my sponsor ended up telling me about other people who had had that experience. And so even that was part of honesty. So, yeah, and I still struggle. I still have times where I meet with friends and I think, um, you know, like I have hair extensions, right? And that is something in my own culture that is like, you don't tell people that. You just want people to think you have nice, you know, beautiful long hair, right? <laughs> and so I was telling my friend Steve the other day, I said, you know, I'm scared to go on the internet because like my hair was short, like two months ago, one month ago, and not super long, right? And he's like, are you kidding me? You're the person that's all about being honest and real. And you're not going to tell people <laughs> you're worried about your hair extensions. So it, it takes others in the community to call us on it and to say, hey, like, I, if I didn't have that conversation with Steve, I wouldn't have even really realized. So it takes the community, you know, where we can be honest and encourage one another that it's okay. Hair extensions, whatever age you lost your virginity, we're all in this together. We all have things that would be embarrassing if people found out about us that we think are shameful. And like, it's fine. You know, you're pretty normal. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That really is amazing. Um, yeah, it's just about telling the truth, you know, telling the truth. It's just acknowledging what's what's happening inside of us and what's happening in our bodies I've done a lot of I'm doing a lot of embodiment work right now and part of that is acknowledging what's going on in my body and when you start to pay attention to what's going on in your body that has a huge impact on your on your health because you know because you start to notice things and you can start taking action to um to heal and I think right. Yeah, and it's, it's hard because I mean, if I would have paid attention to my body, like I had to make amends with my mom, and my mom and I have had a really um, difficult relationship. I was an only child; she's mm. a single mother. There's lots of mental health and addictions issues on both of our parts, and so there was a period of time when I couldn't speak with her for three years, and that was really difficult. And you know, there were grandkids involved, etc. Um, but it came to the point where I needed to make amends for my part in that relationship. And if I would have listened to my body, James, there's no way in hell I would have made those amends. I've never felt more anxiety. I remember being at this shop and I was going to get like a, a soda, you know, from this gas station. And I thought I was going to climb out of my body. I was so anxious. Like it was the worst feeling. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. It took everything into me, in me to drive to that appointment. We were meeting with a counselor and I was going to do it in the counseling mm. appointment. Mm. Um, and, um, but because I was so encouraged by a sponsor who'd done the same, he, you know what he said to me before I went? This is what helped me do it. He said, sometimes your higher power will drive you right through the gates of hell. 
And that is about the worst time to take the wheel, you know? And so there are these aspects in our life where grieving or feeling a certain kind of anxiety because we know we're working towards the outcome. The same thing with me for speaking. I mean, sometimes for me, everything in me wants to just go back into that office where I'm comfortable counseling clients. I know I can be helpful and sort of hide from the world because that's what I'm used to. Mm. Um, So it takes a lot for me to, you know, do the things that I've been doing with my radio show and public speaking, et cetera. I'm learning how to be a YouTuber, you know, next week, hopefully I'll have some videos about anxiety. Um, So I think that there is a wisdom that's needed because I did need to listen to myself when it came to doing the fifth step and to listen to my gut and to not go forward with something that was unsafe. But then there's other times where we need that encouragement from each other of like, you can do this. Like, even though you feel really anxious, you know, we need that courage or, you know, to be radically authentic even. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes, it does take a lot of courage to, uh, to go into the, the dark places, the difficult places, to, to the wounds, to the grief. It's, it's not an easy process. I've been doing this process for the last four or five years and it's not easy. Um, it is painful. How do you do it? Like, I'm curious with you because you said you've been paying attention to your body. So like, hmm. how do you discern when it's time? Because I know you also honor grief and sadness. Hmm. So when do you know when it's time, say to, you know, allow yourself to feel those feelings, even though inside you might be anxious to feel those feelings or you might be resisting it or defensive? How I mean, do you know what parts to listen to? Like maybe it's more about listening to your heart. I don't know. I can tell you're a podcaster. <laughs> you're interviewing me. Um, that has happened before with other, when I've interviewed other podcasters. They started interviewing me. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, in, in, well, we're live now, so we can't go back. We're making a video. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and just also, just just on that, um, for people who are um, listening, um, we are recording the audio as well. Um, we're going to try and get. I'm going to try and get this video out as a video. If if it doesn't work, we still have the audio, and uh, that will be going out as normal. So just so you know. Um, but in terms of the question, I think. I can I can feel like recently I felt a lot of tension building up in my body. I could my shoulders were hurting, and um, I was tense, and I could feel anger. Like I'm um, like okay. Last weekend um, I woke up and for some reason I felt really angry, and I don't know why. I didn't know, and I didn't know why until I realised it was Mother's Day, right. And it's my mother who I lost um, 20 years ago. And my body knew that it was Mother's Day. And my body was in grief. That's where all the anger was coming from. Not just the situation that we're all in now. But there was a part of it that was linked to that. And so what I did is... Um, this is something that I've been kind of experimenting with. Um, intentional crying... Um, I know what can make me cry. I know what can connect me with my grief. And so, two things. I mean, there was one one thing was, I always watch The End of Shadowlands. Um, hmm. That's a movie about grief. It's about a boy who loses his mother. Um, and it's also about C.S. Lewis and how he deals with grief and how he processes grief. And it's an exploration of grief. 
and the end of that movie is really powerful and I always cry and it was my mother, one of my mother's favourite films as well so I went and put that on I started crying had a good cry and that is that's, that gets a lot of that out um, and then there was something random happened on the Monday um, which wasn't expected but it was a, an episode of Doctor Who now everyone who listens to this show knows how much I love Doctor Who um, but it's an episode about Vincent van Gogh and um, it's actually a very good um, examination of somebody with mental health and, and mental illness and um, uh, you know and it's, the part is beautifully played by the person who plays him um, and at the end of the episode they take him because Doctor Who has a time machine so they take Van Gogh into the present day to a gallery which is showing his art because all the episode he's been beating himself up about how rubbish he is and how no one will buy his art how his, his art is he's, he's no, got no talent you know and just just as a matter, almost as a matter of fact and then he goes into this gallery and then there's this there's this um, um, you know the guy the head of the gallery kind of talks about how he was the greatest artist of all time and one of the greatest men of all time and he's just standing there listening to this and he's just crying and there's this great music kind of playing it's really moving music and I don't know it just made me cry um mm. and so I know what kind of things can make me cry and so I can go to those places and experience that I know that crying is really therapeutic um, not just for me but for everyone else but I think it's a very very good thing to do it's a healthy way of expressing our emotions so I'm just starting to practice that like if I'm feeling that in my body, I will st- I will go and find a way to just get that out with um, with with with, with, with crying, um, or doing yoga every day helps as well, for sure, because that gets a lot of tension, and then lots of tension energy out of my body, you know. And this, I mean, this kind of brings us to what to what's going on in the world right now, which is you know the, the pandemic, and everyone's carrying a lot of grief around, everyone's carrying a lot of tension, everyone's carrying a lot of stress. Um, and um, it's it's very uh, difficult for a lot of people. So um, we need to acknowledge that. We need to um, speak to that. We need to find ways of processing that. Um, and it's important that we do acknowledge it and that we don't run away from it and that we don't um, try and avoid it And because otherwise it will control us. Um, and it's it's so you know I, I'm trying to encourage people right now to really name what's going on and acknowledge it and um, find ways that they can process it. Um, one of the things that I've been telling people is, is journal. Journaling your emotions is really really helpful and it's really good for your physical health as well as your mental and emotional health. Um, and nobody ever has to see it and it doesn't have to be Shakespeare. Um, so that that's. And that's that's something when I know when I do it on a regular basis, my mental health improves, and my physical health and emotional health tends to improve as well. So, um, I guess that's that's what works for me. It's weird. I feel like I'm being I'm being interviewed for a podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, I mean, as someone who's kind of a professional in this field, what I mean, first, what's your what's your experience been in your experience of What's going on with the pandemic, and also, and what kind of practical things would you suggest to people to 
help them process their you know their grief and their anxiety around what's happening yeah it's um it's all new I think for everyone and I don't think that we've really seen anything like this I haven't in my lifetime anyway um my grandpa just turned 90 today so you know I'm sure he's seen a few different things in his lifetime but um I'm hesitant to speak too much to what's going to happen because we just don't know and so I've seen a range of things where I see people coping by um, contributing and helping however they can, even if it's online. I've seen people really enjoying the rest and their families. I've seen people, you know, work through, you know, the five stages of grief seemingly very quickly and coming to acceptance, but we can go backwards through those. We can move through the stages of grief. You know, it doesn't have to be linear. And then once we get to acceptance, it's complete. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, based on my professional experience, um, I specialize in severe anxiety disorders, and the first four years of my practice, all I worked with were anxiety disorders, some of the most difficult cases across the globe. I've worked with people where you live. I've worked with people, you know, in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which I didn't even know was a place until I did the work. Um, And so, and I've also overcome an anxiety disorder myself and panic disorder, so that's how I actually got into the work. Um, because the place where I worked, uh, not only did you have to really know what you were doing, but you had to be uh, symptom-free for two years and not on medication. And so um, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And I really started to see that anxiety is a lot more about your body than it is about just a psychological condition. And when people get an overstimulated nervous system from having that higher than normal level of stress hormones over an extended period of time, um, the brain does what the brain is going to do. And it focuses on like, where's the threat? Where's the threat? Where's the threat, right? And so it's very, very hard for people to break out of that obsessive thinking. And so I would say um, what I'm working on providing for people right now are resources um, to help their bodies to heal and to help their nervous system to heal and to try to deal with some of those stress hormones. And so some of those simplest things um, that people hear a lot of things on the internet, they hear about exercise, they hear about, you know, no caffeine, they hear about meditation, they hear about, you know, how much sleep you need to get, they hear about cognitive behavioral therapy, like there's a lot of different things that people hear. They hear about acceptance, if you just accept your anxiety. Um, and so it can be overwhelming. Like, I think yeah. for me, I was looking into anxiety help. It gave me anxiety just to look at the websites about anxiety and to try to figure out where should I even start. And so the first most important thing that I say to people is no caffeine. And they hate me for that, many of them. Um, But I also say, and this is what's different about my approach than some others, is I say you can't just take that away from yourself because it does provide something that you look forward to. It provides a comfort for many people uh, who are coffee drinkers or who like Coke or whatever the thing is that they enjoy drinking. And so we talk about what are the replacements going to be. You know, there was a period of time I lived in South Africa. And so I love rooibos tea and it's caffeine-free. And so if you can put some rooibos and some vanilla and some steamed milk in it, that's an amazing way to start your day. Or peppermint tea can be very comforting for people. Or if you love the taste of coffee, you can have decaf coffee. And, you know, when Starbucks gets rolling, you know, there's a decaf pour over that is just amazing. So um, I think that it's about taking really good care of yourself and having these drinks that that are part of your self-care routine but eliminating the caffeine, which really directly stimulates stress hormone releases. So you're just taxing your nervous system when it's already taxed. 
And some people right. go through a lull, like a withdrawal period, um, but your body will want to sleep more. You know, you may want to take naps. And that's your body's natural way of healing. You're healing your nervous system. And especially because when the nervous system is overstimulated, our um, healing response and our immune system can be suppressed, especially in a time like this. You want to be working with your body, not against your body. So I would say no caffeine and then 20 minutes a day of guided meditation. That's it. It's only 20 minutes. It's different than anything else, than napping, than exercise, than acceptance, than cognitive behavioral therapy. It really is the silver bullet for getting over an anxiety condition, and it's only 20 minutes a day. So I have some techniques that I use with people in my office that I'm going to be recording. What's nice about them is once you learn them, you don't need the recording anymore. And so some of them I use, like even if I'm on the road and I have to fall asleep in a hotel, I use these techniques to help me fall asleep, etc. So I would say those two things are dramatic for my clients when they start to do them, and they're not that difficult. Interesting. I hadn't heard those. I've heard guided meditation before. Um, but giving up caffeine, and I think a lot yeah. of people have, and that's why I can't wait to educate people more because it becomes overwhelming again of like, mm. it's just one more thing to do and it's like yoga and what about exercise? And it just, it feels like one more thing for people to do. And they don't know how long they're supposed to meditate. Should I do it in the morning, midday? Do I do it before I go to sleep? How long do I have to keep this up for, et cetera? Mm. They don't realize that it's also preventative, so it prevents the anxiety condition from returning. And so, yeah, I want to provide all that material to people so that they can really understand. And once they prioritize that and they don't have to worry about all the other advice, they just have to focus on those two things to start, they start to appreciate that 20 minutes as not only is it the silver bullet for getting over an anxiety condition, However, it also is like this time just for you where nobody's allowed to bother you. You can put your phone into airplane mode. You can lock your door to your bedroom if you need to. Some of my clients, even on their lunch hour, will go out to their car and their car is their safe space just not to be bothered. And it becomes something your body craves. You know, you were talking about the body. The body Mm. will start to ask for that time. And I'm so glad I learned about it early on, you know, my early 20s or whatever, because when I was doing my own anxiety recovery work, because now I know when my body's getting overstimulated, I know to lay down and to Mm. stop and even set the timer on the microwave and take that time so that I can reset. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. I mean, this is really, really useful stuff. Um, And I think it's just, it's just, I can't reiterate it enough really that we need to just just acknowledge what's happening with us like i mean we have to acknowledge that we're all going through something right now we're all grieving in some way we're all um, experiencing some form of anxiety we're all carrying it around with us we have our lives have been disrupted completely um so our bodies are going to react to that you know we can't go out in the way that we used to go out um some of us have lost our jobs some of us can't go to a go to our jobs so we have a different daily routine everything's kind of been thrown out so it's really important we acknowledge that and don't ignore it um yeah and I'm so glad in a way for this time like even though it's horrible I think you know a part of it is because I'm a two on the Enneagram and we tend to be the positive outlook people um but I think that what stands out to me 
is this idea of new beginnings. And I think that so much of the work that I've done is with people who have lived their lives in like a type A fashion. You know, they can be over-responsible, caring for everybody else, sometimes people pleasers, boundaries, issues, all the stuff going on. And we're raised in cultures where it's like more is better, work harder, work faster, make more money, et cetera. And so sometimes people get sick with all kinds of other diseases, and it's only then that they realize that they were, like, running in the red zone for far too long. And so there is something kind of amazing about this time of, like, imagine if people around the world are learning to do this work. You know, if people could be meditating just 20 minutes a day and off the caffeine and healing their bodies because they care so much about what's happening with COVID, they can carry that into the rest of their lives, right? Mm, it's, a, yeah. it's a balanced effect. Yeah. So I'm hoping that because, I mean, up until this point, many of us just use our natural coping strategies, right? Netflix or eating yeah. chocolate or whatever. But especially if we can just implement a couple of things like how you were telling me about yoga in the morning, and if we can carry those into our lives, that's my hope is that not only will we be getting healthier to protect ourselves against COVID-19, but also against all the other horrible effects of stress that are taking people's lives too, you know? Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, I felt the same as well. Uh, and I was talking to my spiritual director about this the other day that, you know, that even though I, this is going to be a painful time, it's going to be difficult, I must acknowledge that people are going to struggle and it's going to be painful. Yeah. Uh, and that is an awful thing. That's not good. Um, but through that, I mean, through that, there will be a new beginning. Um, mm-hmm. There will be hope. There, there will be a day when it's not as bad as as the last day. Um, yeah, I, know I that- agree. And I think it's both, like you said, I think there is something about, you know, not jumping to the positive too quickly with people who yeah. need to validated and understood and heard and that's getting back to what we were talking about before in 12-step community you know when you pick up the phone and call somebody else it's just to be heard and listened to you know and we've had a conversation like that before right so you understand like I think that that is so important to just be able to call somebody and say how you're feeling and that's perfectly okay and actually very healthy Um, and that's a stress reliever too right not to have to carry that Um, but at the same time you know seeing that like through the devastation that there are these new sprouts forming it's like it's giving me hope anyway instead of just seeing you know all the terrible stuff yeah absolutely absolutely I think yeah I think it's I think it's good to acknowledge that and I think I think you can acknowledge that but also exist in the present of this is difficult this is painful a lot of people are carrying a lot of difficult stuff and this is going to be difficult and it may get worse before it gets better um, yeah. and to hold and space for that you know i think that there's something about um being real for me like one thing the more authentic i became the more when people are becoming more authentic when they talk and you're being really real you'll get tears in your eyes sometimes or you'll start to cry And that's your soul making an appearance and showing up. And so it was interesting because I would cry so easily and people would be like, you know, you're a therapist. Like, aren't you supposed to have it together, right? But that's the real experience for our souls. Sometimes we feel sad. Sometimes we feel joyful. Sometimes we have hope. You know, that when we're not as defended, then we can feel a range of emotions. And Mm. true feelings, what's so interesting about real feelings versus emotions is 
feelings, when they're real, they come on pretty strong and they hurt like hell, but they kind of pass and there's this feeling of relief, like you got something out. Whereas like emotions, there's a few different kinds of them, but they linger, they just kind of hang around like this sort of dark cloud. And so the work that you're talking about, grieving work, can actually help us even with things like depression, because sometimes depression is grief avoidance, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that feeling a range of emotions, I loved... I wish I still had it, but I don't know if you, did you ever have it over there where you live, but there were these things on the fridge that were magnets and they had all these feelings and it's like, today I feel, and then they had all of these feelings. We had it about 20 years ago, but it's just nice to be able to put where you're at, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's important to just, yeah, say where you are, be present where you are, uh, but also not let what's happening control you and overpower you and overwhelm you. I think that's the key is to acknowledge what's going on, but to not give it the power to control you because that can over, that can be overwhelming and that's where things get really really can get really bad. Um, yeah, and I think that's what I'm worried about in terms of you know I can't predict the future, but I just feel like there's going to be another kind of tidal wave. And the first one is you know everybody worrying about health and everybody worrying about money. But I feel like the third kind of thing is going to be this mental health situation yeah, that absolutely. we're in. And I think, you know, I'm preparing my counselors that, yeah, everybody's sort of worried about their health and their money right now, physical health. But mental health is going to, you know, take a huge hit, I think, because of this. And so who knows how we're going to deal with this. But seeing how other people have responded already to the crisis is kind of amazing, like the ways that people have helped each other. So even if it's a matter of doing some lay counseling training or doing more things on YouTube to reach a wider audience, et cetera, I do think that there are people who are equipped to maybe offer something helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been so great. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, And I hope it's going to be helpful for a lot of people who are listening or watching if we manage to get this up um so um what would be one final thing you'd like to say like what one piece of advice guidance or encouragement to people who are struggling right now wow that's a great question tough one (laughs) um I think because of my work with anxiety disorders i would really encourage people to commit to some sort of a meditation challenge. You know, even if it's just one week to set time aside in your calendar that is not because you have to do something more, but it's actually time just for you to shut off the world, to get away from everybody, to take care of yourself and to rest. And then just notice after that, say, one-week challenge if you feel a difference. Um, I really think that's a gift to everyone's bodies And if we did that worldwide right now, how much stronger would our immune systems be to fight against this? So that would be my hope. Great. Thank you, Jennifer. That is is so, so great. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been really fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I love doing this. Yeah, and um, take care, everyone. Stay well, and um, hopefully talk to you soon.